0: Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We come to you in the midst of uh, what has been a time in our country, in in Tennessee, where Will and I live, in, in Florida, where Matthias lives that has been uh, very different, very tumultuous, to use a, a word that that Will just, just provided. Um, a lot of agitation, uh, emotions have been running very high as uh, issues of police brutality and systemic racism and racial oppression in our country have come to the forefront. I want to start by obviously saying that the three of us, stand against racism, stand against racial oppression. And I will say this note, uh, racism is real. And if you think that it is not, then I would highly recommend you go to my Twitter. It's at Luke underscore Worsham, not not to plug myself, but I posted a thread the other day of some educational resources that uh, if you're not really sure what to think, I think that the resources I posted in that thread can guide you um, because this has been a time where a lot of people have said, and a lot of people have agreed, including me, that this is a time we need to listen. And unfortunately, a lot of the material that has been put out there has not been geared toward developing an understanding or educating, and it's just been geared toward placing blame that in some cases has not been fair. So, all of that said, we are going to spend this episode talking about football, Um That's not to say that we don't care about these issues, because we very much do. Um, But honestly, I don't feel like I am equipped to break this down for you all. And at the end of the day, we are a football podcast. And not to call this nonsense, because it certainly is not. But we, we designed ourselves to be a platform where people can go to get away from things that can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming. Should you be listening to to what is being done and what is being said? Yes, but we hope that the next 45 minutes to hour of us talking about football and about the Titans can be a bit of a respite for you before you inevitably have to go back to some of that stuff. Either, either of you two want to add anything? I've, I've kind of been talking for a while.
2: I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, I mean, there's a lot we can say. Uh, and it just it sucks what's happening in the country right now, and it's really embarrassing for our country. Uh, and I agree that a lot of these issues are very real, and they, they do need to be dealt with uh, as, as soon as possible. Uh, but like you said, we kind of founded this podcast to go away from, you know, the stuff that, that occurs around football, and we want to just bring you uh, something that you can enjoy and you can listen to In order to get away from all this stuff, Uh, and that's exactly what we're going to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, if if y'all don't know, I'm white. So uh, all I'm trying to do right now is educate myself as best I can, support the businesses that I know are agreeing with my moral practices, and you know that that's all I can do for now. And you know, I'm trying to learn every day and get better and figure out. Just like a lot of people in America, so I encourage everybody to do the same if you're not already.
0: And I will say this too. Um, I was thinking about this throughout the week. You know, a lot of people have said uh, it's it's time we we change. We need to go from just tweeting a black photo on Twitter to saying, okay, let let's change our mindset. And I think a lot of people have been saying, how can I change? And and so, or, or what can I do better? And so, before we move on, I'll just provide something that's very quick and very easy that I think can can. Help some people. If you look at the AP Stylebook, if you don't know what that is, it's a, uh, it's basically a a resource for journalists as to, you know, the correct grammar and spelling and formatting for journalistic articles. And if you look at the section on race, the instruction that it gives for journalists writing about race, I think is something that we all can do a better job at in life. And so I will read you this from the AP Stylebook, and, and then we can. Move on to Titan stuff. It says, consider carefully when deciding whether to identify people by race. Often it is an irrelevant factor in drawing unnecessary attention to someone's race or ethnicity and can be interpreted as bigotry. And I will just leave you with that because I think there are times where we refer to people unnecessarily as the fill in the blank instead of describing them in any other way or you know, the race is just irrelevant. And so maybe that's a way that we can um, develop our attitudes to get into Titan stuff. Guys, we heard from Arthur Smith, the A train on uh, <laughs> on, uh, on Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever that was. Uh, and, and he talked about a lot of things. But I think this thing that stood up the most to me was I asked about the number four receiver spot and, and, and how the guys on the roster fit into that right now. And I wasn't shocked by his answer, but I was maybe a little off-put by it.
2: Yeah, I I wasn't shocked, but I was certainly taken aback, especially because he mentioned Rashard Davis, who I didn't even know was on the team. I've never seen him play Uh Apparently, he had a 16-yard catch last year, so that's very cool. Uh, Luke informed me that he returned a couple of punts as well in Week 17, I believe. So, great for him. I don't understand why he's even being mentioned with Khalif Raymond. I just—I don't know. This We've talked about this situation before in the past, and it's still very much a concern. And to hear the offensive coordinator kind of say— like, we're not going to look into it in free agency or or, or through a trade. I, I know they can't say that. They're not supposed to say that. But to have so much confidence in guys like Richard Davis and Cody Hollister, to me, is just in, insane. Especially because if Corey Davis or A.J. Brown goes down, this this, this might be one of the worst receiving cores in the entire NFL.
1: this says to me trying to read between the lines and if i assume that as much as i love to kind of connect the dots in my head but if i'm gonna say that we're looking at this as it is and not adding anybody through free agency or trade all i can think is that this means that the titans are gonna go heavy on two tight end sets because i think if you're gonna play three receivers a lot you want a fourth who's capable of coming in and stepping in at all three of the roles or doing some sort of move where your X goes to Z and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the problem I have with that is, as much as I like New Smith, and I do, and as much as I like Anthony Ferkser, and, and I do, I think that you get into this problem of, okay, if you ever face a team with athletic linebackers, you're out of options unless everybody's healthy. Because that really... It neutralizes a lot of what you can do out of two tight end sets. So, you know, I, I think the plan this whole offseason, and we've seen it over and over, is reemphasize what the Titans do well, which is running the ball and play action, and then don't worry about your flaws. And I, I, I think there is some merit to that. I think the Kansas City Chiefs showed that you can have a defense with one or two guys and then a bunch of, you know, just average level people, and then as long as you can exceed on one side of the ball, and I, I think the Titans with, uh, I mean, drafting offensive line in the first round, even if you let Jack Conklin go, whatever, like drafting running back in the third, like just kind of the moves on paper that they've made is we want to run it at you as many times as we possibly can, but we also have a quarterback that we've seen rip off these you know big chunk plays if he needs to or whatever. And we're making sure that that identity stays intact, and the rest will take care of itself. And there's value to that, but they better really hope that that clicks.
0: Well, it's very, very on brand for the Titans, for for this yeah. Titans regime, the Vrabel-Robinson the combo to be like, eh, I like Cam Batson. Let's give him a shot because. And I'm not accusing them of being, you know, nepotistic or of, of playing favorites, but they have shown that the people who they like and the people who they have relationships with not get preference, but get benefit of the doubt, pretty much always.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times it comes down to personality, just like in Cameron Batson's case. <laughs> we they've never really talked about his you know ability on the field and i and we know he's not all that great will has talked about him at length because he does not like him very much but um uh, as a person just d- yes play. yes yes as a player as a player you know, but
0: it's been a while since we got to have that uh will loves cameron batson
2: yeah look. it's who we haven't gone back to yeah, I've May- missed those times. yeah maybe in the preseason uh j- just something on on us going to more two tight end looks. I mean, that'd be fine if they don't add another receiver, but they're going to need to add another tight end because it's three tight ends right now. It's Jonu, it's Pruitt, and Ferkser. I mean, you can go ahead and say Parker Hesse is going to make the team, but what is, what is he going to do? He's not going to play a lot. But if you're going to run a lot of two tight end looks, you need more depth there. there there's no doubt about it. Unless game is going to play like 30 40% of the snaps. Uh, as both an H back and, and a tight end, uh, which is possible, but I just I wouldn't feel all that comfortable with that.
1: Also, I really don't want to see Jonu Smith as an inline tight end again. Like, not that he does it poorly. Like, I don't think he's special inline. But I mean, think about all the creative ways that the Titans used him in the backfield. That you know, when he split out, what he can do. Like, I would much rather him see fill that role. Or see him fill that role than you know, to just line up in line and block for 40%. I just don't think it fits what he does well. So, you know, maybe maybe they alternate between him and Humphreys in the slot and kind of play with that and see if that works. But uh, I don't know. It's it's really
0: interesting. <laughs> the Titans have a million slot receivers. I mean, not, I mean, that's not to say that that's, you know, Humphreys is the only one of them that, like, that's all he can do. Yeah. And I guess it does give you some flexibility because AJ Brown can play in the slot, Corey Davis can play in the slot. Obviously Humphries, you know, Jonu Smith can can split out wide and play in the slot. I mean, you know they're they're not uh, hurting at that spot at all.
2: No, they're not. And hopefully Humphreys can stay healthy because, like you said, he's like the slot guy, and we saw what he could do, especially on third downs uh, when he was healthy uh, and when he was playing with Tannehill for for a little bit of time
1: and he's incredibly reliable we forget that because you know we didn't see him for the stretch down the end and then once we got to the playoffs the titans just ran the ball a lot but you know throughout the season i think he had an 80 percent catch uh, catch percentage i'm not i'm not sure if it's that exactly that or if it's like 79.5 or something but uh among starters that was like second behind michael thomas he i mean he's just He's very reliable, and that's that's what this offense needs. It needs okay. Check for your chunk play. If it's not there, check for your secondary. If it's not there, find find your outlet and go there. And that that's that's what I think he should be for this team. But you know, it, it hurts that he didn't stay healthy when Tannehill really started hitting his stride.
0: Yeah, you bring up Tannehill, Will, and when when we were planning the show, I didn't even think about this. Usually, this would come up in our last segment, but we all have stuff we want to talk about in the last segment, so, so we can talk about it now. Uh, former Bears, Patriots, Packers tight end Martellus Bennett gets on Twitter oh. uh, on Thursday and tweets the following, seemingly out of nowhere prompted by nothing. Bleeping Tennessee Titans rode Derrick Henry through an entire season. Franchise tag him and pay Ryan Tannehill, who has very little to do with the success of that football team. And then a few hours later says, so y'all want to sit her and say that Ryan was more important to that team than Derrick? It's like, okay, good for you. You watched the Ravens game. Yeah. Or actually, I, I, No, you did I'll, it because you brought up the point, or maybe it was someone else. <laughs> He was here or someone else that tweeted, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill uh, threw two touchdowns in the divisional round before Henry even got to, like, 40 yards.
2: Yeah. I think it was Blake Tucker that pointed that out, right?
1: I saw him tweet that. I mean, here's I'll I'll say this because I have some thoughts on this. Like, I I understand what his point is. It's absolutely incorrect, and it's not the way any football team does business. Like, historically, over the last... 10, 15 years, paying a running back has never worked out. Like, it it just doesn't work out for that team. So you can understand why the Titans would be cautious. But it, I, I would I would love to also add, add the caveat that when Mariota was the quarterback and Derrick Henry was playing, it, it wasn't like the Titans were just blowing it up. Like. Yeah. I mean, there was an entire year last year where they were bottom 10 in offense with a guy who I I don't I don't love LaFleur, but he did go on to be the head coach of Green. But, you know, enough where other people seem to like what he brings to the table. And, you know, it's his it was Henry's fourth year with the team. And before Tannehill got there, they had been to the playoffs once and were one and one in that season. And then the other time, I mean, he spent three years splitting carries like first with DeMarco Murray. And then after those two years, he split with Dion Lewis. Like it, it, there was a point last season where we thought he was going to get traded or was just going to get outright benched. It like
0: was a, it was in two, about Derek it was in 2018 yeah. that he got literally got benched for David flew Allen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's like, I, 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 I completely understand the point. The point is wrong and short-sighted and based off of very little information. Um, and I understand the Titans fans who kind of agree with that because there there is no more dominant player on the Titans roster than Derrick Henry when he's on. Like, that, that is, you know, maybe A.J. Brown, but that is just a basic fact that when he's in the open field, he is something different that teams have never prepared for and they don't know how to prepare for until they get run over by him. That That is an indisputable fact. But he has only been that guy for... The, you know, maybe 16 games total between this year and last year. Cause he didn't start off particularly strong this year. So I, I say all that to not to put Derrick Henry down, but to put perspective on this idea that I hope doesn't catch steam that the quarterback is 75% of team success. And I know it hurts other players at, at other positions in the NFL. I know it hurts their feelings to, th- to hear that, but if you look at any team in the league, except for the Patriots, maybe that's just the way it goes.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say. Just like He didn't start out well. When Mariota was in at quarterback, he wasn't performing on that well. We weren't winning games. We only won two out of the first six games. Then they make the switch to Tannehill starting in the Chargers game. And then magically, we start winning. Derrick Henry starts racking up these crazy games later in the season. Why do you think that is? That's because we switched quarterbacks because Tannehill completely stabilized the quarterback position. Look, you know I don't like to be negative about Marcus
0: Mariota. Um but but, uh (laughs) mute. mute (laughs) You love love. But but, I mean, let's be honest, the dude couldn't throw the ball more than about ten yards except for that one fluke play to Tajay Sharp down the sideline. Um and so there was nothing for defenses to be scared about. It was just load the box and stop Derrick Henry. But then not only did Ryan Tannehill come in and, like, be better, he was – with him, the Titans were able to get this, like, legitimate downfield aerial dynamic attack going. Uh, And so the defenses were put in a really tough spot at that point because you didn't really know – what to take away. I mean, it's like, you know, the Bill Belichick thing, just take away what they're best at. Okay, you take away Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill is going to carve you up with the best passer rating in the NFL, and you take away Ryan Tannehill, best passer rating in the NFL, and you get the league's leading rusher coming at you full steam. So, the, the, you know what, and, and you do know, notice, those of you who listen to us every week, we have not once had the discussion of who's more important, because what a dumb discussion that would be who cares? Without either one of them, that team does not go nearly as far last year.
2: Yeah, it it, it always seems to have to be one or the other. Yes, But it, false if economy. we're looking at it from a logical perspective, it's the quarterback. Because the quarterback position well, is just yeah. way more valuable.
1: <laughs> well, and, and like, let's look at the Steelers, just just as a quick kind of example. For a yeah. long time, it was, you know... Does Le'Veon Bell make that team look good because of all the stuff he can do? Because at one point I think he was their leading receiver and their leading rusher uh, on a team with Antonio Brown. Not not at the end of the season, but like 10 weeks through a season one time. And just because he was, he's very good. But then it's like, okay, well now we've seen Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, which was bad, and we've seen Ben Roethlisberger without Le'Veon Bell, which was bad like they didn't make the playoffs even the year where they had Antonio Brown and they were relatively healthy uh, you know without Le'Veon Bell they they're not the same team there's times and very frequently this happens where a good running back and a good quarterback uh, are more than the sum of their parts like having somebody you know you use the bell exactly. check Exactly. Yeah, like you can't take away the best thing that somebody does if their immediate response is to score a touchdown because you spent too many I mean, resources trying to stop that. Like,
0: take a generic married couple that's, like, madly in love, and then you ask, well, which one of them is more important? It's like, what? Yeah, Tannehill loves Derrick Henry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Another thing uh, on – well, to, to kind of stay on the Steelers, um, in 2018, James Conner comes in and replaces Le'Veon Bell. Big Ben is at quarterback – and Connor looks like a legitimate top ten running back. He's averaging four and a half yards a carry, uh, nine yards per reception, scores twelve touchdowns. Then the next year, Big Ben is gone. They have Mason Rudolph a quarterback. And now they're about to replace James Connor because the running backs just don't perform as well when there's not a good quarterback to flank them because it just changes your offense completely. So I, I don't understand why this is still like being debated. Among players, among anyone, really, um, when it comes to the NFL, it's just the way it is.
0: Oh dear. Um, Yeah, I wrote down in my notes that I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, coronavirus implications on the NFL because we have had a lot to talk about lately, and I don't think we've really gotten into that at all. You know, obviously, none of us know what's going to happen. But I mean, what what do y'all think? I mean, we were talking before the show, and like. You know, with the data that's coming out, and this isn't any kind of inside knowledge; it's just kind of a hunch. I mean, the games are going to be played. I feel like because you know, for two reasons: one, you know, basketball and hockey and MLS are about to come back, and so if they're playing, the NFL is certainly going to play. And then number two, uh, Dr. Fauci, who's the you know head of the Allergy and Infectious Disease Institute in America, has come out and said, well, maybe there won't be a second wave. You know there could be, but you know there's a decent chance there won't be. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, you know and, and you know taking all politics outside of this, just kind of logically thinking like, you know that they might be in shape certainly to do it without fans and then potentially you know social distance with fans.
2: Yeah, I think the question right now is whether there will be fans in the stands. I don't think there's any doubt they're, they're starting on time. Absolutely. Uh, like you said, the NBA is already coming back. Granted, it's in a controlled setting. Uh, but like you said, MLS is back. Uh, a lot of the soccer leagues in Europe are already starting, and they're about to start next week also. Uh, I know this isn't Europe, but Europe was hit even harder than the U.S. was. Uh, so, you know, it's. I, I think they're going to start on time and i wouldn't be surprised like you said if there are fans in the stands the the question is how i i don't know i think it's going to be really weird to see uh to see fans like 5 seats apart all throughout the stadium but it's definitely going to be something that's that we're going to remember for a long time
1: yeah it, it'll be really weird because uh first of all i should say uh the way this is trending to me looks like we'll for sure have a seat 100 but again this is just my opinion based on where we are june 5th but it looks like there's a hundred percent chance we have a season and it's on time and then i would say there's a 50 percent chance that we have just a complete normal season and, and i and let, let me say i understand that that's an unpopular opinion and people think there's going to be a bunch of social distancing and stuff like that but i you know I'm over 21. I go to casinos a fair amount. I love, I love casinos and, uh, they've started opening around me now and they're already doing, uh, so a table that usually sits six people sits three. And sometimes you'll have partitions. Sometimes you won't, uh, slot machines or every other machine is open and that's not six feet. And it's much less money created by that operation. And It's only June. So maybe preseason starts out and it's, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, you can go to the games and, you know, you can enjoy the preseason games and that's great. But you're the only people and, you know, whatever, like maybe that's what it is. And they treat it kind of like a scrimmage, uh, which they do for for people uh, before the season anyway, for like the Titans. And you can kind of see those those very exciting
0: scrimmages.
1: Yeah, they are Truly miserable and boring, <laughs> but they are also the first football you see against a, against another quote unquote team. But, you know, I I am a big preseason guy. I don't want to get on a big tangent, but I'm a pretty big preseason guy. So I, I just enjoy watching any level of football, even if it's not great. But I think by the time we get to, you know, September, I mean, we'll be clo- I mean, we're closer to the start of this pandemic in America and like the quarantines and the shutdowns, we're closer to the start of that than we are to the beginning of the regular season. So we're not, you know, we're not to the halfway point now and we're already seeing all these places open back up and Texas has already said that they're going to allow 50% of their stadiums to be filled up. I, I don't see any way, especially when you look at the financial implications and the cap implications of not having people in the stands. I don't see any way that, at least at some point this season, that they don't allow full stadiums to be filled, and I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I do think that's what's going to happen.
0: I will say this though: like the situation in Nashville and in you know Green Bay, Wisconsin, is going to be a lot different than the situation in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and Los Angeles, California.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is a good point. Uh, I I mean, cities are definitely affected in different ways. Uh, like here in Florida, you know, there's been a spike over the last couple of days. So I don't know. It, it's going to be tough to predict. If everything goes as it's going and, like you said, there isn't that second wave, then we'll be fine. At the very least, uh, it'll be at 50% capacity, like uh, like Will said about the Texas stadiums. I actually had just read that this morning and was a little surprised, but I guess I'm not because – You know you need to make money you need to get to get people in the stadiums uh so yeah it wouldn't surprise me and given how business driven the nfl is i think they'll just risk it honestly uh because you lose so much money if you don't get fans in the stadium not only because of the tickets but because of all the concessions uh all the merchandise they buy it is just such a huge such a huge influx of money to these teams and we know how you know money driven these owners are. So I mean, when it wouldn't you charge me.
0: five dollars for a forty cent hot dog times a yeah. thousand,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: and and we should also say that as far as I can tell, the players not not just from an atmospheric standpoint, but the players would rather have it because. You know, you look at Major League Baseball and the implication there have. You know, as as much as I ever keep up with Major League Baseball, like you can tell that the salaries are a big part of their you know, shorted se- shortened season proposal or whatever. And y'all are, y'all are more equipped to speak on this than I am. But uh-huh. if you tell you know Tom Brady that it's like okay, because we don't have fans in the stands, we can't afford to pay you what we've agreed to pay you. If you tell him that in August, he's not playing for you in September. I mean he, yeah. he's just not going to – he's not going to waste his last you know year, two years. Uh, th- that's just not going to happen. So you have to take that into account too because that's a big portion of the revenue like we've been talking about. And if the owners don't get their money, the players don't get their money, and then you end up in all these legal battles. And you know, it's like do you signed me through this date. Well, you didn't play those games. Well, I would have played those games at that rate. You know, you get this back and forth, and none of us want that. None of us want a holdout situation or something like that. So, you know, I hope there's a compromise found, but fans should hope that stadiums get filled whether they want to go to them or not.
2: Yeah, it, it it's tough in, in the MLB right now. I don't I don't even know if they're gonna have a season. I, Luke probably knows more than me, but I that's know the, cool, player, the player. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> I mean,
0: like, but from from what I've seen, I mean, I haven't gotten too deep into it. Just you know, seeing stuff pop up on on Twitter and Facebook, it's looked like. I mean, Trevor Bauer. So I'm am a Reds fan, so obviously follow Trevor Bauer. You know, he was tweeting about like he hated uh, the the meddling that. uh what was, what's the big – Scott Boris was doing the big agent. And it just mm-hmm. seems like the two sides, being the league and the players' union, are really far apart. And, like, the, the league was wanting the players to not take a prorated salary but take, like, cut further than that. Like, instead of, you know – because it would make sense. You know, you play half the games, you get half the pay. I think about everyone would agree that that's fair. But they were wanting to take it further and be like, you know, you play half the games and get 30% of the pay or something like that. So – yeah, the NFL, the the MLB, from what I have seen, in my opinion, has royally screwed this up. Uh, but NBA, NHL, and even MLS seem to be trucking right along.
1: Uh, the good thing, like kind of a silver lining for the NFL, is. They do get to see what happens to every other sports league. Like, they get to see what happens to the NHL, what happens with NBA. So, like, they get to see what they're doing right and wrong with kind of a month and a half of lead time if all this stuff starts happening back in July. So, that. The, and I and I wrote something about this the other day, but it looks like I would speculate based on what Tampa Bay is doing and the connection that Tampa Bay has with the Titans in terms of they were going to do joint practice or whatever. It looks like the middle of July will be when training camp starts for the rookies and then late in July will be when the training camp starts for the whole team for the Titans. Again, that's that's speculation based off information from the Bucks, but it you know, if that's true, the Titans will be in training camp while these other leagues are kicking off and any adjustments they need to make can be done on the fly, but the real impact won't happen until a month and a half after that. So that, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate and tough to say that this happened for, you know, the NFL at quote unquote, the perfect time, but it does really help them that it happened in March when they didn't have any actual activities going on and their none of their stuff got affected. So, you know, if you want to call it lucky, great, but just in terms of looking at the future, they do have a lot more information than every other league.
2: You know, I will say a part of me kind of wanted to see the NFL be played with no fans because I think the sounds, like the natural sound of
1: – They, they would not be able to air it. That It would be right. so – like you li- you listen to what these players say that they've said to each <laughs> I other. Know, like I it, and everybody wants mic'd up cams and it, for it to be like played directly –
0: It it would have to be on HBO. Like it could not be
2: on on a delay. They'd have to delay like ten seconds to delete
0: everything. It's funny. uh, Those of you that are listening to the podcast uh, would just heard a ding on my computer, and it's a uh, I got an email from the LA Galaxy saying that um they they, and this might be old news I don't know but there's a new collective bargaining agreement um with a revised plan to hold a tournament in Orlando.
2: I. so the MLS wants to do it in Orlando, also, where the NBA is going to be. Yeah, like, that's centered. what this that's what this email I just got says from Cool the LA Galaxy. Well, I'm in Miami in South Florida, so you might as well just you know put me in a coffin if if they're all going to come down to Orlando. Yeah, like, they also,
1: if everything's happening there, we'll all just go visit Matias and watch basketball. Yeah, the yeah. And and they I also guess. gave the
0: boot to one of their players who had a wife quote tweet a series of racist and violent social media mm-hmm.
2: posts i didn't I see did any see of it. that but yep she said uh, all the protesters should be killed so that was intriguing oh, uh,
0: oh, i like legitimately cringed LA when you galaxy said that out.
2: yeah yep.
1: the, we're covering
0: the titans and every lx la galaxy uh, <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> 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 let's Let's talk about something a little uh, more divisive than uh, we want sports back. (laughs) That is Harold Landry, the Titans' leading pass rusher from the 2019 season. Uh, Arthur – excuse me, not Arthur Smith. Shane Bowen, the Titans' outside linebackers coach, said something very interesting about Harold Landry and his media availability on Tuesday. We're going to get into that in 30 seconds. First, you're going to hear a word from one of our 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 sponsors. Okay, Well, so – harold landry and, and i'm going to get the exact quote up and this isn't going to be a long debate because we've discussed this so many times but i have a couple things i want to say i'm sure you have a couple things you want to say so let me pull up the exact I hope, quote I
1: hope, I hope harold landry has like 45 sacks this year okay oh, like <laughs> 45 i just just like an absurd amount like because we've, I mean, this is, I think, the second time in three weeks, if not back-to-back weeks, that okay. we've had uh, an, an argument about this. But okay, go ahead.
0: So, yeah, the question was, why were Harold Landry's sack numbers at the end of the season lower than they were at the beginning of the season? Because he went through a stretch where he had like a sack in five straight games or something like that, and then it, and then it, his production just died after that. And so, uh, Shane said. I think that's a good question. I think it's it's factors uh whether he was a little more noticed and then obviously worn down. He played a lot of plays for us. Will ha- like how many plays did he played? Like third most among outside backers.
1: Yeah, he he was third most. He had 953 snaps uh right behind Bud Dupree who had 980.
0: Uh, so skipping down a little bit. I think he is still adamant about developing his body, his strength, his stamina, all those all those things. But in my mind, he played too many plays. I mean, he played a ton, like you just said. I've got to do a better job of not putting so much on him in terms of play count. Hopefully, we get him at his best when we need him at his best down the stretch. Okay. Now, I, I, let me say this. I don't really fault Shane Bowen for that. Their pass rush depth was pretty bad last year. Um, it, it wasn't good uh, It's better now right you bring in Vic Beasley you you uh, you bring back Harold Landry you bring back Kamala Correa Roberson is stepping up. Let me say this. sure maybe he got tired, but we keep talking about how Harold Landry's numbers were low when he played the second most plays in the NFL. now granted, they did drop him in coverage a good bit. However, he played so darn much that wouldn't you think it, the, the, the pass rush opportunities would make up for that? Will, I'm not so much defending a stance as like, get, take me through this as someone, me, who has never played a down of organized football.
1: Yeah, so, I mean... you're you're not wrong to think that Uh, he played the third most snaps. He also played the 11th most snaps among edges in coverage. So like he wasn't rushing the passer every snap. And I mean, he's just inside the top 10 in terms of actual rushing the passer snaps, despite playing the third most snaps in the league for edges. So what that means is he's not a guy who got to rotate off on first and second down. He had to play first, second, third, pretty much every series. So, you know, just wear and tear naturally, I mean, it is going to affect every player at every position. And, I mean, it's hard for him, I, I would imagine, being not undersized, but he he's, what, 260, something like that? I mean, he's not he's not Brian Arakpo. Like, he's not, you know, Derek Morgan in that he's, like, 265, 270, like that upper upper tier of kind of edge weight. So, you know, you've got a guy who's – very good against the run so good that they don't want to pull him off on first and second down so that you can get your you know leading pass rusher rested and healthy for third down so i mean in the way i look at it is if you take if you take a guy like Harold Landry who you start as a rotational pass rusher as a rookie and he does well then you make him a full time starter the next year, and he does so well that you can't take him off the field when you're taking everybody else off the field, then it's probably a good indicator that he's one of your better players. Uh, it's it, it's hard for a defensive coach, and I can only speak to this because I've, I've coached you know a small amount of football in, in my life. So like I understand it's hard to get your best players off the field in those kinds of situations because – When's a good time to take your best player off the field? You know, like when you're you're up by by 45. 45. Yeah. 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 Like, (laughs) so, yeah. So it's like, how many times did the Titans have those situations? Like, the Titans were very good offensively this year, but they were also not very good defensively, you know, after Tannehill took over and Dean Pease and Mike Vrabel could kind of let off the gas. So, you know, I. I think next year we'll see him rotate out with Harold Landry or with uh, Vic Beasley some. I hope we see him rotate out with, you know, Jadavian Clowney on first and second down some, but that's, you know, we've got a ways to get there. But I think he should be playing. I think he should be pinning his ears back, rushing the passer every single third down. And then you've got to figure out ways. and And Shane Bowen, I think, said something like this, but you've got to figure out ways to get your leading sacker onto the field on third downs when he's, you know, got energy and he's healthy. Like, and the way you do that is you take him out on first and second down. And I think we kind of saw some of what they want to be later in the season when they ran those three defensive line looks. Uh, I- I'm interested to see if they do that going forward using Vic Beasley as the kind of fourth guy on the line. But uh, all in all, like, to me, I, I-, I don't know how you all interpret it. Like, to me, that's not an excuse for his pass rush. It's an excuse for his overall – like health and ability to play at a high level. Uh, It it, it should be noted that playing the third most snaps in the league, you know, he kind of shook that label of a guy who had an ankle injury coming in and fell to the second round because people thought he was going to be an injury concern. And he's also shown that he's not just a third down player. So, you know, for for whatever it's worth, those are clear positives.
2: I I do think scaling back his snaps would probably make him a little more efficient. But if we want him to be that, that number one edge, then, I mean, this is the amount of snaps that he's going to play, and this is the amount of snaps he has to play. Because if you look at the edges that are around that snap number, it's Chandler Jones, it's TJ Watt, it's Khalil Mack, it's Shaq Barrett. They're all in that 900 to, to 1,000 range, and they weren't really affected efficiency-wise there. So I understand those guys are are better, and Harold Landry was a second-round pick but if we want him to take that next step, I mean, this is the amount of snaps he, he's going to have to play.
1: And I, I should say this real quick just before uh, we talk about it. But uh, he did play over 100 more snaps than guys like Joey Bosa, Vaughn Miller, Kyle yeah. Van Noy, Yannick Ngakwe, Matthew Judon, Arik Armstead, Nick Bosa. You know, so it's like it's not like. It's not like it's a small amount. I mean, he's playing a hundred snaps more or more than all these guys. So, you know, he's basically playing four extra games a year compared to those guys. So, again, it's it's not it, it's not apples to apples when I, when I say that because I know there's different people in different situations. But I, I do think if we're talking about him being that number one guy, he hasn't shown it on the field, but he has shown that he can, you know that there is upside, at least potentially, and if you scale back his snaps, you may get more of that guy.
0: Another interesting thing that Bowen said, uh, he was asked about Vic Beasley, and he said, "You know, excited to get to work with him, blah, 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 and he said, uh, ultimately, he's got to do some stuff on first and second down. That's the one thing Cam Wake didn't really provide as much for us last year where I think bringing in a guy like Vic, who's younger, uh, can help out there. That it's so, it really shocked me. I, I've always loved Shane Bowen. He's, he's always really good with reporters. Um, but he kind of said, like, look, Cam White didn't really help us on first and second down last year. And so even if you don't think uh, Vic Beasley's not going to be very good on first and second down, he's at least going to have enough stamina to be on the field. And, look, there aren't that many teams that, you know, because traditionally, we say first and second down. What we really mean is play the run. But with these teams spreading, I mean, against the Kansas City Chiefs, put Vic Beasley out there on first and second down and let him run around and chase Patrick Mahomes. Like,
2: Yeah, I actually just saw that quote from Bowen literal seconds ago. Uh, and, yeah, that confounded me a little bit just because Vic Beasley has never been a you know run stuffing type of of edge. I mean, all of his tackles for loss last year came from sacks, and, and all but two the year before came from came from not sacks. So he's never going to be that guy. But I do agree that given the shift in the NFL, that's become such a pass happy league, it's fine to put him out there on first and second down just because so, so many of these teams like to throw the ball and, and like to put you. Uh, back on your toes, um, you know, that early in the drives.
1: Well, let me ask all this, kind of what we're talking about. But, but I think we all agree that even if it's a small sample size, the most electric pass rusher the Titans had last year was Roberson. I mean, what, what he did in the last two games of the season, just being so explosive off the ball against the Saints and against the Texans, you know, he was obviously the most productive per snap guy on the roster. I mean, how do you balance Vic Beasley, Harold Landry, and Roberson? I just, like, that's that's something I struggle to kind of deal with because Beasley historically has had the highest floor of those three. Uh, And then Landry's, uh, at least by Bowen's own, you know, kind of admission, is he was indispensable to the defense last year. And then Roberson is... You know, the guy with the most upside who you haven't seen a lot of him, but when you have seen him, he's been incredibly productive. Uh, how would y'all balance that third down situation?
0: Uh,
2: I mean, I think Beasley and Landry are going to be the edges on third down, right? Like, that's they're going to be on the field together. Yeah. I guess mean, Roberson, I, Gilbert. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, like, that. that's where I am, but at the same time, it's like, how much have you seen from Vic Beasley where it's like he's solid, but. You know, is this where we roll the dice on Roberson? Like, did they pay Beasley ten million dollars to come over and, you know, be a third down guy, or do they are they going to try to make him a first and second down guy and then adjust to that?
0: I had to step away for a second a minute ago because my dog was barking at her open dog door, wanting to be let out.
2: Classic dogs. Sounds like a third down pass rusher. Just. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: can, can, the cam wake experiment was fun last year for that first game when he did anything um I I, re, I I
1: and i i think i've said this on the podcast already i don't know if i have but um i'm re-watching the season back and he is cam wake was incredibly explosive those first two games i mean just almost untouched by the offensive tackles when he rushes wide like that i i I don't know if the Titans have somebody that can do that this year. We just talked about Derek Roberson and maybe he can do it, but like if they can get that again, the rest of the line will take care of itself with Simmons and Daquan Jones playing as well as they have and with everybody else around him. Like those first two games, I can understand why they only rushed three and four because wake was getting around offensive tackles, maybe two out of every three snaps. It, It was incredible. But then obviously he dropped off and got injured and you know, that, that, messed up a lot of the Titans plans, but man, that, I mean, that was the first time in a long time that the Titans have had somebody that could do that.
2: I find it weird that they went after Beasley given that they kind of just admitted defeat on, on the wake signing, Uh, especially when they had Roberson and Gilbert who are kind of in the same mold. I I don't know. I, I, I found it a weird signing.
0: Oh yeah, definitely um,
2: from the beginning.
1: I don't know why they let Conklin go. It this is this is just kind of a free agency discussion but when you look at the look at them trading away Jarrell casey it's like in them not having Javian Clowney at this point yeah I, I don't know what could have compelled them to do this it, it it makes no sense to me you you know you didn't make any cap. you don't have any extra cap room for it really or you're at least not using it and you wasted a wasted so i mean maybe maybe wilson will be great i don't know but like you first round pick on a position that you were already strong at uh
2: no but it's true it's true it just would have made so much more sense to just give conklin the contract he's young he's proven to be solid and then you take an edge in the first rounder best player available but i digress yeah
0: Yeah. last thing i want to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense is uh this news that came out i believe earlier this week about the nfl salary cap potentially dropping by 40 million dollars next year huh because of the coronavirus no for the 2021 season
2: well yeah yeah, i I assume it has something to do with
1: this it's it's based on few it's based on uh past earnings so this cap won't change so uh do you have more you want to talk about that or is that just kind of an open the floor discussion
0: so but why would that change anything for next year So uh, the cap is based off of
1: total revenue from the NFL. And if you don't have fans in the stadium, that's a huge chunk of your revenue that goes down. It's a projection, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's, if we make a hundred million dollars and we've guaranteed in the CBA that 20% of that money is going to the players, then your cap hit goes from uh, is 20 million. Well, next year, you know, it, it, if you have 120 million, you make then 20 percent of 120 million, it goes up, and that's that's kind of how it's projected. It's that, that's totally a incredible. that's a problem if that happens. That's well, I mean, ridiculous. It's, it's I mean, it's just that's just the business side of it. it's like that's you, the benefit and you, the cost of agreeing to but, a 20 percent deal. Like, but that. the
0: NFL can afford to say, let's give the players, let's cut that out for one year. It's absurd. $40 million. You screw up the league that way. I mean, 40, if the Titans tomorrow had to clear $40 million of cap space, you're talking about losing your quarterback, losing your running back, no more Kevin Byard, no more Taylor Law- I mean, goodness gracious.
1: Well, uh, Matisse, you can talk on this. Sorry, I've, I've kind of jumped in front of you.
2: No, I don't know. That is a really good point that Luke just brought up. I don't know how teams are going to handle that. And I don't know. I actually don't know. Like this is a tough situation if that's true.
0: I mean, it's like I go eat it red Robin tomorrow and I eat a burger and fries. And they're like, you actually weren't supposed to have that. I'm going to need you to give it back to me. So, <laughs> what? I, I mean,
2: Tannehill's about to get cut next year. Huh? Crazy. No, I'm he's, I
1: mean, he's like, <laughs> I was say, like, that's the thing is like, it wouldn't be him. Like he's locked in. It would be, it would be a lot of like, you know, other, the other guys, but you know, we should also say they're, right the they're,
0: they're going to have a 25-man roster. Just everybody plays every snap. <laughs> it's like it, the people
1: that hurts is the people that are going to be free agents because there's yeah. money on the book. Exactly. Think the Titans have, I think the Titans have something like 60 or $70 million, uh, maybe more than that, uh, available in cap space next year if this money rolls over to next year. So like, if the cap goes down, they won't be hurt by it really because they'll have the money in their pocket – because of all the free agents that come up. But if you're Jayon Brown and you're wanting a new deal, you know, you're probably
0: going to have to come back to the Titans on like a
1: two million, you know, one year, two million dollar deal. Like, because what's your
0: market? Like, I mean, I mean, let's be real. This honest opinion, if that happened and the salary cap drop dropped 40 million dollars, the players should like riot or something. I mean, goodness. They I mean, probably like, will. You, you nailed it right on the head. Well, free agency becomes a sham at that point. Because nobody's going to be able to afford anything. And so, te- you know, I mean, who, who's a typical kind of free agent guy? I mean, let's say Derrick Henry hits free agency. He's going to get $4 million because no one can pay.
2: Not only that, no one is going to sign Clowny this offseason. <laughs> <Yeah>. No one. <laughs> oh, dear. Or Devontae
0: Freeman, apparently. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, because apparently
2: wants $20 million.
1: My thing is, like, I don't think that'll ever happen because I think they'll find a way to make up the revenue somewhere else or that they'll agree to some sort of, like, not a prorated salary or anything like that, but they'll agree to something where they say, you know, we said that you'll get 20%. 20%, We'll change this in the CBA if you agree to X, Y, and Z. And I think think the players will agree to that. Or I say that because the league has very rarely – you know shown a bunch of goodwill preemptively for any reason like it's it's just based on le- based on contracts and agreements and all that kind of stuff so you know maybe maybe this is how they agree to you know an 18th game or something. I I don't know I don't know what they'll do they just renegotiated which is the problem but I'm sure there'll be some sort of concession and they'll figure it out but it is you know I don't think that'll happen again also because I said I think that the stands will be full but it is something that it's worth monitoring because everybody assumes, and like you should, that the money is going to go up in the NFL year after year after year because that's what it's done. At the very least, it'll stay the same, and that's kind of how contracts are structured, which is the key theory behind my whole the cap is a myth. But if <laughs> if the cap goes down, the cap is very much not a myth anymore.
0: Um, let's transition into uh, to stop the nonsense uh, if you want a Stop the Nonsense t-shirt, uh, we, we, we sell those. We have sold some of those. Uh, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash no-nonsense pod. Go pick you up a Stop the Nonsense t-shirt. Okay, I'll start, and I, I hinted at this before we started recording. Uh, my Stop the Nonsense this week is iCloud. Um, two weeks ago, we were recording our podcast, and I'm— I, the computer was kind of acting, my computer was acting up, and so I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to restart the computer, uh, and then we'll start. Well, the computer apparently had, like, some kind of update to run. I have a, a Mac. It had some kind of update to run, so we ended up, I just I just did it on my iPad while the computer did updates. Well, when this thing finally loaded back, I must have, like, clicked a button or setting or something. So, it put, all of my documents were no longer actually on my computer, They were just pseudo on my computer through the cloud. Uh, You know, if you follow us on Twitter, you see uh, the highlights that I'll post every now and then. I have a template for when I make those. Well, that got put in the cloud, and it wouldn't re-download, so I had to remake that. And that was a pain. And then today I noticed, once I finally got all the desktop stuff back actually on the computer and not in fantasy land... I got the – I tried to open a document. Now my documents are now in the cloud, and so I'm trying to put those back on. And right before the show, I tried moving them over from the cloud to my computer, and it says, you don't have permission to author – or you don't have permission to read this or whatever. I'm like, what do you mean? I wrote all of this stuff. And so I've had problems like this ever since iCloud first became a thing in like 2013, 2014 – call me a boomer it has never made sense to me I have tried and tried to figure it out I use some of the stuff like you know I can text on my computer and I can text on my phone like that's iCloud but I don't understand any of the science behind it and if it works the way I want it's pure luck and maybe I pressed the correct random buttons but gosh iCloud as as much as I like Apple and and I'm Apple exclusive I have an iPhone I use a Mac computer I use an iPad iCloud has never made sense to me and I don't understand how it can possibly be this confusing
2: this might be the most random rant we've ever had but (laughs) I love it because it's true it is very confusing and it just doesn't seem to work the right way most of the time and it is rather frustrating
1: well, you two have always said that we should go back to floppy disks, right? Like y'all, y'all are <laughs> yeah, just like, correct, big, correct, y'all, correct, Y'all are very big on big floppy uh, don't trust guy. this new technology. Like, <laughs> you know, you can't you can't hold an iCloud. You can hold a floppy disk, which I mean, I I I've disagreed with for a long, long time, but I don't know. Y'all well, and a, on
0: another problem with Apple too is this is the podcast app. So there are about five podcasts I'm subscribed to, ours being one of them, and it does this thing where what it what it should do is put the podcast you subscribe to in your feed, and then when you click listen, that's when it starts to download them. But it does this thing where it will like download them automatically. So I will get these alerts. Your phone is running out of storage. and I look at the storage function and it's like, yeah, you have forty gigabytes in your podcast app just from like year old podcasts of hours or stuff that I, you know, like, like I'm 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 subscribed to the A to Z podcast network, so there's a bunch of stuff there that I mean stu- and, and it's some of, most of the stuff I listen to, but I don't want it there
1: forever. yeah, that that is incredibly I have the same thing. That is incredibly frustrating.
2: You guys have to turn off automatic downloads, by the way. I don't know how I did it, but I did it, and it doesn't download my podcast to my phone anymore
0: because I want them to pop okay. up. I like want to know when there's a new one.
2: Ah, well, no, then you're you're screwed. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I was like, wait, really? does not show you that? Or you're... <laughs> Will and I are having a very very boomer moment here on the show. Yeah, it's 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 tough for, for, pe- for people in our twenties. Yeah, it's more of a Tennessee thing, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll go ahead with mine. It, it's pretty pretty quick one. It's not really a a nonsense thing it's more like a somber thing but the fact that all of these amazing writers keep getting laid off from SB Nation first and foremost which I, I think all of us like like a lot and we've been following for years so many good writers ha- have gotten laid off for the over the past couple of weeks and especially a ton of college football writers which is kind of what like made SB Nation known uh, and it's such to see. And then today we see The Athletic get rid of a bunch of amazing, talented writers. And one of them is John Glennon, who we've been following for over a decade, covering the Titans, covering the Predators, covering everything really in Nashville. Uh, and he got laid off by The Athletic for pretty much no reason. Like, I don't know. I doubt their numbers are really that down. I would say they're probably up, given that everyone is, you know, inside and reading stuff. Uh, so that took me by surprise, and it just really sucks. And, and I don't understand why these companies feel the need to do that. I don't think they've taken uh, enough economic hits for for a lot of this to be justified. But yeah, that was just kind of my little rant there.
0: I mean, there are a lot of NFL beat writers that stink at their jobs, and John Glennon is not one of them. Like, there there are people who either don't really know what they're talking about or are only in it to like get attention. John Glennon, like, a lot of people say, I want to take unique angles, and, and what they really end up doing is just writing about stuff that no one cares about. John Glennon says, I want to take unique angles, and then actually writes things that are very, very interesting. Like, he wrote something last year, just kind of random. He went around and asked virtually every player on the roster why they picked the jersey number they had. And I found that fascinating and was angry at myself for not thinking of that first. Like, he, he was so innovative. I say was like he's dead. He is so innovative as a journalist. And, and he thinks of these angles that I hope somehow something happens where he can stay on the Titans beat. Because I know I love working alongside him. And he's the nicest guy and... and like i tweeted at him this morning this just sucks man this it, it sucks
1: yeah i mean you know i'm not
0: i don't consider my writing to be
1: an amalgamation of these two by any means but like john glennon and Jim white were very clearly the first people i i mean i can remember actively seeking out what they'd most recently written and you know I mean, I remember in high school and in college, like, I mean, I can just see myself now like with a laptop or with a desktop or whatever in whatever computer class I was in just reading what they wrote because it, it always fascinated me. And it, for either of them to be out of work is, you know, a tragedy. And why, Jim White's not like he, he works with the Titans and stuff. But like uh, it, it's it's crazy to me that when sports has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger that this kind of continues to happen different places, and in by my understanding, and maybe maybe I have a misconception of this, but in my head, a lot of the athletics talented people have come from layoffs at ESPN, or yeah. you know, well, so well, it, John
0: Glennon, John Glennon was laid off in yeah. Tennessee in a few yeah.
1: years so, back. Yeah, so yeah, so there, so you know, there you go. That's a good one to one kind of thing, but you know, this is how big conglomerates of talent kind of come together and form and start something new. So maybe these people that are getting let go at SB Nation and, you know, at The Athletic will come together and make some sort of site themselves or, you know, or somebody who's looking to get into, you know, owning a a part of sports media or whatever, will get them together. And maybe this will be, maybe we'll look back in a year and this will be great. But right now I just, like I, it's, it's hard for me to understand because even on the Athletic, which I'm subscribed to and I like to read, there are people who are very clearly worse at their job than John Glennon, and I don't mean that to put them down either. I'm just saying, like, I I mean, I read Glennon's stuff now, to this day. Like, Like I mean...
0: This is not just some sob story guy lost his job. This is, like, guy who was really good at his job and really beloved by his readership lost his job. Yeah, I mean, like, this is... He... And maybe, maybe it's just
1: a focused view from Tennessee and the state of Tennessee is not big enough or important enough to the athletic subscribers or whatever. But, you know, he's a guy who if I was on the fence about getting a subscription to the athletic, I, I would have gotten it to read Glennon like I mean. So, you know, well,
0: and, and I don't, I don't want to turn this into like an anti-athletic thing, but as of right now they have nobody assigned to cover the Tennessee Titans because Joe <laughs> Rex, Joe Rex road is a, is, is a columnist for them, which means he does cover the Titans some, but he's not there on a daily basis. He, cause he also has to cover the Nashville Predators, Tennessee volunteers, Vanderbilt. He, I mean, he does like mid-major basketball thing. I mean, so I, I am an, I am an athletic subscriber and, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't really need to read about the Titans too terribly much because, I mean, we're all around them and we kind of know what's up. But, I mean, I, I, let, let's see what happens. I mean, Yeah,
1: l- l- let me say this to kind of wrap up my, my thoughts on it based off what you said. He is the guy who, if you're reading somebody else, like if you're not reading him, if you're reading any of our stuff or Paul Kaharski or anybody like that, john glennon is the guy that we read like we well, i think i think every yeah. titans writer that i that i know or i've talked to or have seen reads glennon stuff because he can provide such a unique perspective and he can make something interesting out of the mundane like the the jersey number thing we were just talking about so like he's your favorite titans writer favorite titans writer if yeah. that makes any yeah. sense Well, oh, I guess I guess it's me. Uh, I, I forgot yeah. I have like I forgot I'm next. <laughs> I'm I'm not used to going third. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's there's been a lot of stuff going on and it's kind of pushed everything into the background. But this is something that I saw was really interesting. That uh, you know I, I don't I don't know if it's just because I I watch the Titans a lot and I don't like the Texans very much. But somebody brought this up and that you know uh, we all know Brandon Cooks has. Pretty terrible concussion history. Like he's had several, and you know that you know, I think he's had something like six in the last two years. Maybe that that may be too high, but that it sure feels like it's that's the right number. But somebody said that like he's not, and, and I'll tell you, who, Dr. Jesse Morse said this, and it was retweeted by Sigmund Bloom, who I also urge you to follow. But um, it's a list that compiles all the thoughts of uh, the Will Fuller in injuries and why the the Texans wide receiver core is mostly names and not a bunch of production. Um, he compiled a big list, but his summary is in four NFL seasons, Will Fuller has never played in all 16 games. He's missed 35% of the possible games he could have played. He's injured his hamstrings five different times in the past three years. He's broken his collarbone, ribs, and had three different surgeries, ACL reconstruction, Uh, meniscal cleanup and sports hernia. He just turned 26. Uh, With Donder Hopkins gone, can he be the number one wide receiver? Same question for Brandon Cooks. Will Cobb end up being the number one wide receiver? Like, y'all need to, like, I mean, not you two, but like. what? Yeah, the listeners need to realize that there is a great chance that with how often Cooks gets injured and with the NFL's concussion
0: policy. On Fuller, too.
1: Yeah, and, and with Fuller, that, the number one receiver for two or three games this season could be Randall Cobb. Like, I mean,
2: uh, Randall and, and, Cobb gets injured pretty often too, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, and that's what I was saying. I was like, and that's not even a guaranteed thing. So like, I mean, I, I know that everybody is, well, I, I should say this historically with the number of hits that Deshaun Watson has taken and with his ACL with tearing his ACL twice, uh, maybe once in both layers. I can't remember, but, uh, in his career from college to now, he's been the big injury concern, but I mean, they're one wide receiver going down away from him being behind a pretty mismatched unit of offensive linemen and Laramie Tunsil, 55 running backs that uh, they've traded for over the last two years. And a group of wide receivers who wouldn't even be in the top three for the Titans, you know, like, that that is a bad situation. And I know we're all writing uh the the Texans in as kind of a competitor, but when you look at this, it really makes you remember how bad this Texans team can be with just one injury that seems to happen every single year. Because like he said, he in four NFL seasons, Fuller has never played a full season. He's missed he's missed almost forty percent of his games. So like I keep seeing it brought up that the Texans are going to be competitive and all that that to me, that's the biggest nonsense of this offseason, even more than the Phillip river stuff, like potentially pushing the Colts up like this, this division could be bad in a hurry. If uh, yeah. rivers isn't good. And if any of what's happened in the past four years happens to the Texans,
0: I mean, every, every, you know, every now and then I just get a bad feeling about a team in, uh, in the NFL. And I've got that with the Texans. I think that they are set up for a, collapse this season yeah it might blow up entirely it's going to be Deshaun Watson running around for his life and throw his interception numbers are going to go up this year because all they have are downfield threats and so he's just going to huck it downfield and and of course when you do that recklessly as he does sometimes the turnover rate's going to go up and the defense isn't any good I mean JJ Watts still probably their best player by default I mean like there's not that much redeeming about them other than the quarterback. Oh, and don't even start on the head coach slash evil evil tyrant Bill
1: O'Brien. And, you know, like just – Okay, so this is the number of games that J.J. Watt has played in the last four years by season. Three games in 2016 – five games in 2017, 16 in 2018, and then only eight last year. And he's going to be 31. So when your best player is a guy who's played more than half of the games just once in the last four seasons, I mean, like, I I mean, I'm not saying that they could fall into Trevor Lawrence territory, but I just see them a lot closer to a team that's picking top five than I do a team that's going to an AFC championship game.
2: Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for us for this week. We'll be back uh, probably next week. I mean, I didn't think we'd be back this week, but we found something to talk about. Um, So we'll we'll probably be back next week. Uh, Until then, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy and uh, stop the nonsense.